Yes, so welcome back to another episode of The Rum Shop. I'm your host, Joey Reeds. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, for those of you who have never been to a rum shop or who want to go to a rum shop, um, I will let you know that it's typically run by a family. It's family-owned. Um, so I apologize if you can hear my mom in the background getting the tables all set up for you guys. Um, you know, my mom is a very strict woman, and she wants things done right, and she wants things done properly. So usually when I will go set up the rum shop, the conversation with my mom would be, God, boy, this rum shop, mm, I know, I know who would want to come to a rum shop looking so, oh my goodness, it should be called the pig shop, mm, things all about the place. Look, just move and let me do my, let me, let me fix this place, please, because I, I can't stay in this. I don't understand how you can invite people and have a, a run-in organization looking so, so Shout out to Joanne for making sure that it's to her standard. Now, counting the bottles, I got my dad, Junior. Shout out, Junior. Um, he's counting the bottles right now for you guys. But the thing about Junior is that he does like some fine rum. And he does, you know, every now and again, he's known to have a little dabble with the rum here and there. Um, again, in the previous episode, he did teach me how to pace myself. But every now and again, Junior will not be able to pace himself accordingly. So... The conversation with Junior would be, all right, Junior, are we all good to go? Are we low on anything? Um, we good to go, boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We good. We good. We on point. We ready. All right. How many bottles of uh, Havana Club do we have? Um, how many bottles, boy? I think I count two or maybe three. No, no, no. It's five. Five bottles we have. Five? Dad, are you sure about that? It's five bottles we have, Joel. One, two, three, four, five. How many bottles again you want to have? I, th I think the, the count was only for two, though. Look, I, I done with this. Yes, this is your rum shop. I have my stuff to do. I have I have to cook. I have my reading and I have my my working out to do. I can't sit here whole day, whole day counting bottles. So, OK, so if you want to go, you go. But it's five. I say five is five. All right, Dad. Thank you. So I just finished up. We're all set for you guys. Um, also, most importantly, we're set for my guest. My good friend, Rob, we're going to continue on with the conversation that we had previously. Thank you guys so much for the love and support. You guys are absolutely amazing. Thank you for all the lovely feedback. And I really want to thank Rob. Uh, he has a wonderful podcast, A Boyfriend to Banter. It's an amazing podcast. So funny. So great. So informational. Um, so keep it locked. We're going to continue on with the conversation. Uh, the special that Rob chose for this podcast episode was Spiced Rum. So any Spiced Rum drinkers out there, shout out to you guys. Um, get at me on Instagram at the Rum Shop HQ. Let me know of any kind of Spiced Rums uh, that you guys enjoy or any kind of mixes that you guys have. Um, we're going to get into it. I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to have a little bit of a saxophone intro for you guys. And again, just thank you so much for the love and support. It means the world to me. So keep listening. And I promise Junior and Joanne, I will be better and more organized with the rum shop. <laughs> it's like, I'm just kidding. You know, you guys have your place here to do all that stuff for me. <laughs> Ugh, my evil laugh needs a lot of work. I love you though. <laughs>
<laughs> oh my god these are the Listen, things that, that i'm unpacking sibling. right now. that's simply that's simply you know let me tell you she wasn't telling you she couldn't cut the grass because she was a woman what she was saying to you and you just weren't listening was if i have to deal with this this and this and this because i'm a woman and you label me as this 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 get your ass outside and no nah, come on don't give grass. her no outs don't give her no damn outs no way oh my god it used to piss me off to see <laughs> this girl and my other brother who literally would like carve their way like they were inside a fucking cane field or cornfield or the fuck like they would you just see two cloud puffs above this <laughs> seven high amounts of grass and a little part that they carved in and i was like crystal it's only you and me here let's go let's do this mom and pops are in the uk like come on you can help me out she would just look at me and be like nah I, I got cramps not today it's it's that time i'm not doing anything and plus you're you're a guy you should be doing this get out there and i had to hire uh shout out Beecher. He used to live across the street from me. He got we got so wasted that I was <laughs> the sun was sweltering. It was so hot. We had like a two for a beer and I paid him like 40 bucks. He was just a really great guy. Uh we had to go with our hands and pull out this grass. And I can remember <laughs> coming inside. I got grass all over me. I'm sneezing to fucking no end. And she's just there painting her nails. I was ready. I was ready to literally it was gonna be Fallon Fox against whoever the fuck she destroyed but it was going to be on and and man crystal can fight she can she taught me how to fight growing up she actually i had this one kid who was bullying me talk about being i guess quote unquote a sissy this one kid i could have taken him out easy but he's just fucking bullying me he used to punch me in the arm like every fucking day i went to school just punch me in the arm and then walk away and one day i came home and uh my sister was home and she was listening to, to tupac shout out shout out tupac I, I do a lot Park. of shout outs. Uh, Natalie gets angry, <laughs> but that, that's how I am. I shout people out. But uh, she listened to Tupac. I came home and I wanted to shower quickly. I had like this bruise on my arm. And she's like, who did that to you? And I was like, oh, this fucking kid at school. I didn't really think too much of it. I just like went on with my day. And then the next day, this girl rolled up to uh, St. Bruno's Catholic school where I used to go. Um, she got me like four sour keys and then like there's a crowd of people in like this area and I'm just chilling out with me and my other homeboy and I look over and Crystal's got this kid by the throat like literally <laughs> by the throat and she's just like yelling at him to no end it's just her by herself come to find out she actually like fought that kid's brother on my behalf so that's Aww. when I was like I gotta go to Muay Thai or something I gotta work something out um but that's also why to this day i also have to just fucking go out there and cut the grass by myself listen listen at the end of the day if you looked at that situation and you think your sister doesn't know how to cut grass she's just <laughs> and also don't get it twisted she's not telling you to do it because you're a man she's teaching you how to be a man oh uh, now stop giving them all now, these outs shout out crystal <laughs> now here's a question for you in your experience what is expected of you as a man uh, there are a few things. I think the first thing is like, well, the one thing that my dad definitely tries to teach me that I've, I have not yet instilled in me is cleanliness. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like the whole wake up in the morning, make up your bed and just start your day. That's the first thing that was I remember my dad telling me like, like if you're going to grow up to be in a, a responsible male adult, he always used to use that a responsible male. You have to make up your bed in the morning. I I'm still working on that part. Um, <laughs> the second thing that I think is definitely uh, uh, like, let's be real. It's it's breadwinner. Like I, it's mm -hmm. definitely, you know, you have to 
make that money. When you come home, you have to be the one who's going to be settled. You know, if, if the wife is not working, you have to work. You you both cannot not work. Like, you always have to work. So, like, mm-hmm. I got a job when I was, like, 16 at Winners. Shout out Winners. Another thing was definitely learning how, how to drink, how to pace yourself. Mm-hmm. Um Shout out El Dorado. It's my favorite rum. Part of the reason why I call this thing the rum shop. Um, but learning how, how to drink properly. Um, I think that's also part. Well, not what I think. I think that I was raised with that. You know, don't don't get sloppily drunk all over the place. You know, like men don't do that. Like a responsible male adult knows how to hold his liquor, have his limit. Um, another thing was playing sports and being tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my dad trained me to no end on goalkeeping, on being a midfielder. Um, me and my brother are both heavily involved into sports. Um, knowing how to defend yourself was mm-hmm. another, probably the biggest one. Like, we could not come home and say that somebody turned us into a punk or a sissy, mm-hmm. saying that, you know, you got your lunch money stolen from you or something was taken from you or you come home without your backpack. Or that was like a big one. My dad said, you can... You can fail at things and you can try again, but if you let somebody punk you, then that we don't have a place for that here. And mm-hmm. that was like a big one. Like I can remember like being across the street and somebody trying to like they're trying to do something. They're trying to take my backpack or something. Uh slightly older than me. I had to like fight back. I couldn't let the guy take my backpack and all my homeboys were watching. And the next thing I'd go home, I'd have like just my underwear on. So mm-hmm. I was in a no no win position. Uh didn't get my backpack stolen. And I can remember coming home and my dad just being like, you know, I was watching you outside. Like, I'm super proud of you. Um, that made me feel accomplished. It did make me feel pretty, pretty manly. You know, like that, that nod on the shoulder of like, you know, sticking up for yourself. Um, those were the main things that I think qualified as, you know, the that led me to the dude's dude kind of thing. See, and it's really, I could, I just love unpacking this stuff. Okay, so <laughs> first of all, like, listen to that story that you just told, okay? Now, listen to what you just said about your father. Isn't it any wonder that you do notice a sissy? Uh, because, and the reason I'm pointing this out is, let's look at the difference in our intersections. First of all, I'm a white man, mm-hmm. okay? So the fact that I said to you, what is expected of you as a man in cleanliness was the first thing I, I was like, this is how you know it wasn't a white family. <laughs> this is how you know it wasn't a white, love you, you know? I'm not saying, I'm saying I'm a cleanly person. I My husband will speak for me. I am a cleanly person, but I can tell you, we all know, love you white people, but it's not our first, <laughs> it's not the first thing out of our mouth. Second of all, you you talk about being tough. Well, at the end of the day, your father taught you that. Mm-hmm. And that is true. So my question is, though, looking at the difference in probably if you took my lived experience or you took my parents' lived experience compared to your father's experience, did your dad teach those things, teach you those things really because you were a man or because he wanted you to survive the world that we live in as a man? Right. Because when you look at those things... I mean, there's, and it's, it's, again, this really isn't my conversation to speak too much about it. So I won't really get into it. But when you look at the over masculine, like how men who fall in the bi POC community and what is expected of them from a masculine perspective, and you compare that to the white lived experience, it's very different. Mm. Now you look at our sexualities. You had to be tough and not be a punk. I started out with the baseline that anything I did was a blessing mm. because I was I was gay and being gay is equated to being a woman. You're you're so you're a sissy, you're feminine. So if I so much as stuck up for myself once, 
I the bar had already been risen. The mm-hmm. bar for me was so low on what constitutes being a man that anything I did that resembled the territory of a man, I would get a round of applause. Mm. But for you, you need to be a man. And that was what was that was what was drilled into your head. And and here's the thing. Everything your father said, absolutely, you should be able to stick up for yourself. You know what? You like sports? Get out there and be good at it. And uh, clean. <laughs> make sure <Yeah>. you <laughs> make your bed. Make sure you wash yourself. These are And make money. Now, the make money thing is really mm. interesting because when you look at salary and making money and holding down a household, your father could have told you that for two reasons. One, if you're a man and you don't make money, you're a loser. Or... One day you might marry a woman who wants the right to stay home and raise her child. So you should be prepared for that. Mm. There are some loving lessons in there that you absolutely should have taken from that. However, in that line of thinking, what do you do if you can't make money? Yeah. What do you do if you're not, if you, you know, what if your passion is selling bracelets at the flea market? Mm-hmm. You know, does that make you less of a man? I'm sure if you whipped it out, you are just as much of a man as you were when you were born. You know, your piece is still going to be there regardless. Decently of, sized. You know, and, and hey, not all men have pieces and that's all conversation True. for a different, you know, but at the end of the day, I think the reason we're now starting to is your father had experiences that I could never understand and you could never understand because your father went through them. Right. And, and he, and in this country and the way that you were raised was all funneled to, from the perspective of your parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my grandfather is Greek Macedonian and he came to this country really young. Um, and he had a very different lived experience being in it all throughout those years and working with computers. He's been called every name in the book. Now, keep in mind, he is not completely white. He Mm -hmm. is light-skinned in the sense that he's European. So again, different experience. You don't know, truthfully, the the sign of the times that led your father to give you those messages and that these are the things. But at the end of the day, the root of what he's saying in all of them is correct. Mm -hmm. The only thing he forgot to tell you was that those things aren't linked to your gender. Those things are linked to what he wants for his son. Right. Correct. And your father had parents too. Yeah. (laughs) And those parents, like we go all the way back. The Mm -hmm. difference is when you have a child, does your son need to make money or does your child need to make money? Right. Because if you birth a daughter, are you going to tell her, listen, between you and I, sweet cheeks, you just need to make enough until you beg you a man who's going to take care of you. Because then my question for you would be, Julian and I are married. Mm -hmm. Who should be the breadwinner? Mm. Well, I think it'll be the A side and then the B side follows because that's happiness. See? Ah! See, see, but here, but this is that this is truthfully, you know, that, um, and we've talked about it. We're trying to have a baby mm-hmm. who should take Pat leave. Mm. How do we, you know, and, and this is why if I want to follow what everyone's parents have said, how do we decide we're two men? We both can't work. Someone's got to stay home with the baby. Yeah. So who's, who's, how do we now just, we go, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lift weights. And whoever's stronger <laughs> is going to go to work. Do you see how silly it gets when you really start to branch out into all these other territories? Mm. And two lesbians, what do, do they both just stay home? They just collect their check once a month and stay home and none of them works. And the thing is, those are the is questions. Who's got the bigger chest? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Listen, and here's the thing. And also, shout out to parents collecting their check and supporting their children. True. And, you know, working is not the only way to pr- provide for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I, I think when we look in those areas, it's true. There's so many different things. My father and I don't have a very great relationship. And in, uh, when I was younger, I really wanted to play... Uh, I wanted to skate really mm-hmm. badly. And my sister was a figure skater and I really didn't think I could do hockey. So I was like, I'm going to go into figure skating. Yeah. My dad's response was, well, why didn't you just join ballet? Now, in my mind, that was insane. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ballet ain't nothing like figure <laughs> skating. I don't know. And also, what do you even get? Like, and that's the mentality. My dad was that all-American guy who had mm. one way of looking at things. But as you get older and as you look at gender through different lenses... Wait, before we get into that, did you... Uh, do you know about Elvis Stoiko, McCain? Elvis Stoiko, Kurt Browning, you want to okay. just like go down that? I'm like, I love figure skating. So the skating. one thing that I only remember about figure skating is Elvis Stoiko. I remember those McCain commercials. <laughs> He's the reason why I could be borderline diabetic right now because <laughs> I started drinking those goddamn McCain sugar thing, like the yeah. packs that you keep in the freezer... You pour them into the uh, that jug and you just put water. Add water. I would dump that shit with so much sugar. And then afterwards, I was twirling around in my living room thinking I was Elvis Stoiko. It was ridiculous. But he's the only like figure skater that I can remember. So every time somebody talks about figure skating, I want to sound cultured. I'll be like, Elvis Stoiko. He's my favorite figure Elvis skater. Elvis Stoiko. Shout out McCain. Elvis Stoiko. Shout out McCain. Shout out Elvis I think Stoiko. He's still in, I think he's in Toronto right now. Isn't he in like, or he's, in Vaughn or something? I actually don't know. I don't know. But I do know that he could, that man could flip. And, True. and again, imagine to my father's comment of why mm. didn't you go into ballet no, have you no, no. try try to figure skate and try to ballet it requires a lot of muscle i could have gone in, i could have gone into either you ever looked at a ballerina's feet that is the nastiest feet <laughs> you will ever see they be on point all the time splitting nails yeah do not tell me that you are a sissy because you are in ballet because let me tell you true and also shout out sissies because we love you too but yeah i think that's the thing is how do we now rework the language and how do we look at it from a different light when we've been bred to be this way this Mm -hmm. this is what society has done to us you know what i mean like we have all these ways that we look at things but at the end of the day it's only coming from the fact that your father praised you Mm. for being tough and he was proud of you and so when you are not a sissy in your in the traditional sense of what your mind is think you're just throwing back to your dad being proud of you because that right. is that is the path if you were fed a different path you would be on a different path mm. and that would be unfortunate cuz we all have our own unique path but if you peel back the layers you just might find it's the same with racism there mm. are a million things white people say that they do not think is racist right. and it usually starts with not to be racist but but <laughs> true it's true it's it's the same thing there's so many racially charged statements that we make that we don't even realize them i, I probably said a few right now that i don't even like it's unlearning those things and i think it's good to have people like your sister and natalie and different friends queer friends you got queer friends we're here out shout here saying out shout out and and your existence makes me think for completely different reasons mm. and and i think that that's something that's important if you're in an echo chamber and you find that what's being said back to you aligns with everything you're probably in the wrong place looking back to uh, to what you were talking about with the way that we were raised from where, where our parents learned things from like the like I can never think of a moment where I had to like think about 
my sexuality. Like I never mm-hmm. had to worry like, oh shit, like if, if I'm gay, like is my dad going to not accept me? Is my mom not going to accept me? Or what are they going to tell me? Like I never had to worry about that. And it's it's funny because when I think about that with other people, like my other friends, there will always be these moments where like you had to prove you weren't gay. And then mm-hmm. I always thought that was gay. Like mm-hmm. I was like, but how, like why, why is there this weird thing where like I have to prove to you that I'm not gay by like, just making like stupid jokes or like mm-hmm. reading up on like certain things or like not like telling people, oh yeah, have you ever skipped across gay porn? No, I never watched that shit. I, I've watched some dudes like, packing wood. Who has some people like? And what does that even mean? And that's the thing. <laughs> Look, when you reach that point, you're like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. So, so you can stare at a dick as long as there's a woman beside it. <laughs> that don't make no sense and i'm not saying watch porn that you don't want to watch yeah i'm because uh, i i wouldn't but i'm just saying like wow the fascination like the way that you have to go about proving that you're not gay i always found that to be kind of strange um and then the other thought that had come into my mind um was i wanted to get your your opinion just on like the whole concept of like so going back to relationships do you think that there are differences between whatever, same-sex relationships, other relationships, heterosexual relationships? Do you think that there's any difference between how we have to approach the idea of relationships in those contexts? Because I told my sister, you know what, like I think, and I will say this once and I've said it a thousand times, <laughs> I think women are naturally abusive. I, like <laughs> I just have this, like I mean, I have this, I just like, Feel it. It's just a gut feeling that there's just some things that like women will do to men. And I'm talking solely in my experience. If women have found men who aren't doing this, whatever, great, hallelujah. It's <laughs> in our nature to want multiple partners. I just think that it is for me personally, before I met somebody who can fulfill all those needs and makes me happy and I'm willing to build something with. It's in our nature to cheat and cheat at will. And it's not something that's emotional. I just think that it's in our nature. Women, on the other hand, want to make sure that, you know what, this is the person that I can settle down with, that I can build a family with, that I can basically have for the rest of my life, a life partner. Mm-hmm. How do I keep this person is a by doing little things that can amount to making sure that they don't go anywhere by basically letting them know that I'm irreplaceable and we can get to specific things on that. But what is your idea thought process on that? Do you think that that's true? Do you think it's not true? Do you think that I'm asking you get it? So I totally get it. And again, I'm going to say there's lots to pick apart there, but we're going to start with this. It's you said two things in the same sentence that don't go together. You said it's in my nature to want multiple partners and to cheat. Multiple partners and cheating are not mutually exclusive. Hmm. So, so again, going down to how do we peel back the layers of misogyny, which is the overarching theme, I guess, of what we're discussing, is first off, having multiple partners doesn't mean you're cheating. Cheating is the act of saying you don't have multiple partners when you do. So uh-huh. those things don't mean anything. You can be single and sleep with whoever you want. That's multiple partners. That's not cheating. True. So do I think that it is in our inherent nature to want multiple partners? Yeah, for a lot of people. For a lot of people. And... Do I think a lot of people admit it? No. Do I think a lot of people are in tune with it? No. Do I think a lot of people get a fair chance at knowing what they want? No. And I'll tell you why. 
One, going back to what I said about othering, when you other someone else, to insinuate that multiple partners is any different than monogamy is silly because you didn't do a world poll. We don't actually know who, if they were allowed to, would sleep with multiple partners. Mm -hmm. And the big key there is if they were allowed to. So women want monogamy more. Well, in fairness, you didn't grow up your whole life being told that you should want that as much as a woman. What you were told as a man is you're going to want other, but you should be monogamous because it's the right thing to do. True. Women are told you should not want other or you're dirty. You mm. should not want other or you're loose. You should not want other. And I could I could literally name, I could spend the next 45 minutes just finishing that sentence for women. <laughs> True. And I think the misunderstanding, if you look at what we've done with the, the, the psyche of a woman and, and what we've done with women's bodies, we've literally made it that anything they do is never enough. If you're too clingy, ugh, too much. If you're, if you know, if you're fine being with multiple guys, then you're a whore or you're, there's, you're a skank, there's something wrong with you. Whereas when a guy does it, it's in his inherent nature. Well, doesn't that work out perfectly for men? If men make a mistake, all they have to do is go, but my inherent nature. If a woman makes a mistake and it was an accident, you still get to punish her because you get to label her as going against what's natural for a woman. As someone who grew up on both sides of the coin because growing up as a queer man I did have like guy friends that weren't gay and I had a straight brother and I had all his friends and I also got to sit with the women I spent majority of high school in the women's washroom hanging out with my girls I can tell you women think feel and do just the same as men they just don't get to talk about it they just don't get to say those things now monogamy as a whole, you might want multiple partners and it just means monogamy is not for you. It doesn't mean that you want to cheat. But the question is, are you strong enough? If I'm not saying you specifically, I'm saying if that's what you want, are you strong enough to look for a partner who wants that? Well, now let's go back to that sissy comment. Mm -hmm. Let's see a man who wants multiple partners find a woman who wants multiple partners. Chances are he can't take that. You think? I Chances think that's a little are. bit. I think I think that's a little bit of a of a prejudgy statement. You think so? You think? Do you think men are typically comfortable with women having multiple partners? I think so. I think so. If they have the understanding that this is solely just for the fact that if I want to have multiple partners, you should be able to have multiple partners as well. I think that it can work out. I've I've seen many uh, long lasting, happy, open relationships and open open marriages where. It's it's inconsequential of the fact that they have multiple partners, that they can still be together and enjoy each other's time and, you know, love the companionship that they built and all that stuff without the notion that I mean, this is also to discredit what I'm just saying. It's also mainly the males who have kind of pushed for the open relationship thing and the women have been like, oh, yeah, sure. OK, you know, I tried it at first and I wasn't so sure about it. Now it's like second nature to me and I don't do it as often as he does. And like there's rules where he can play, but I have to play with him. So it, it's there. Do you also think a men cheat a, more? Men cheat more. Do you think men cheat more than women? Honestly, I think so. Right. I would think so. So why don't they just tell the truth and have multiple partners? I think there's a few reasons why. I think mm -hmm. one of the reasons why uh, society, I think, 
you know, the one that we, we pointed out kind of like if you're going to be monogamous and if you're going to get married under this whole thing of like the religious aspect of marriage and what that entails and what the ceremony entails and what that means. I think that leads a lot of men to be uh, quote unquote monogamous. I mm-hmm. think a lot of men who say they're monogamous are cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think one of the reasons I think the main reason why honestly is because it's something that they can still hold as a moral ground towards their wife to say despite the fact that I think you're controlling that I think you're this and that I don't cheat I don't do it and then they find other ways to do to inflict self-harm on themselves drinking to no end smoking uh, some of them end up going to escorts and putting themselves in risky situations I think if there was a more open, honest conversation about men saying, I do cheat and it's something that I have to do because if I don't do it, I Cheaters will. sleep with multiple partners. Yes. Which one? What do you mean? Do Which listen one? to what you just said. If men can not say, sure, I do cheat, yeah. you want them to admit they cheat or do you want them to not cheat and admit that they want multiple partners? Uh, Both. But do you see what I mean? You shouldn't be having a revelation that you do cheat. You should not be cheating. Uh, but that's kind of... Don't you think that's a bit of a, like, a... That's too much of a moral ground. I think it's, like... You can admit if you've cheated. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the revelation is we should empower more men to think. I think admitting you cheated is because you've wronged someone and you should admit it. But my question is, with everything that you just said a man goes through, they kind of sound like sissies. Why are they drinking too much? Why are they hurting themselves? Why aren't they just getting out of their toxic marriage? Sissies. What are the women doing? They can't be happy. No one wants to live with a man who drinks too much, lays in his own. Like, come on. <laughs> what is what is she doing? This poor woman. Because <laughs> the men kind of sound sensitive. Now, let's just men are recap. Sen- men are very let's sensitive. Let's just recap our yes. conversation. We've talked about how... Men are getting so harmed by women that they're drinking and they're they're having, you know, multiple partners and they're holding it all in because of this moral high ground. So it sounds like they are not man enough to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then you've got other men that are, you know, they're having to toughen up because they can't be sissies because if you called them a sissy, it's like the end of the world. Mm. And you have other men that constantly have to prove that they're not gay because they need to be reassured of their masculinity. So if you ask me, it's really sounding like men are kind of sissies. 100%. I think that <laughs> I honestly do think that men are 100 times much more emotional. And I wouldn't even say, emo- I would say emotionally unstable than women. I 100% will agree with that to no end. And I think that's also why, like, you know, men also do things where they exclude women from or they have to literally like degrade the value of women to get to this place of toxic masculinity i think that men don't know how to express themselves i think that that's something that gets completely glossed over and i think that that's something that's very very harmful in today's societies the fact that we do not teach men how to cope with their emotions on the flip side of that i think that we need to teach men how to use logic so like one of the things that you know we've and I mean, cisgendered males have had to do from the beginning of time, hunter gatherers, mm-hmm. is use their logic to survive. We had to outthink our prey to eat. We had to outthink how to travel from one place to another. We've constantly had to be in this like reaction mode of how do we survive and how do I get past the thing that I need to get over in order to survive. Yes. Um, so, in the context of like a relationship aspect where a cisgendered male is dating a cisgendered female, um, or just any kind of relationship. I think there has to be a point that comes up where they say, okay, 
how do I think my way through this? Not using the original thing of jealousy that, oh shit, I'm not mad enough. If she ends up finding another partner, like what's like, how do I deal with that? How do I look at myself and say, okay, you know what? There's someone else who pleasures you better, but at the same time, you and I still have a great vibe together. Let's chill. Let's hang. And yeah, go get piped. Go like, you know, like learning about these things and learning how to cope with the fact that A, sex is just sex. B, uh, you know, sex is something that's natural. And C, like you can have multiple partners. And again, if you are cheating, like owning up to the fact that you're cheating with yourself, you don't have to. I believe that. And I've always said this. If you're going to cheat, you have to cheat righteously. You cannot cheat unrighteously and then come back and cower away because that person then all of a sudden does have a moral high ground on you where they can always say, I never cheated. Whenever you get into a fight, that is always going to be the first thing. I never cheated. You cheat. Who knows what's going to happen? So I do think that we do. You have said a- better, though, by the way, just just to clock the two things that you said there. You said high, higher moral ground, which again goes back to the scale of who's right and who's wrong. Yeah. And you said, oh, if someone else pipes you better, go think people don't necessarily cheat because it's better. If Again, I cheat, I, I've cheated numerous times in the past. It's usually because it is those sugar walls are just way sweeter. The, okay, first of all, they're different because they're not <laughs> someone you're waking up every day, but that goes into maturity. Mm. But do you see how you just weighted everything? Like, if this happens, then this is against me. If that happens, then it's against me. You need to free yourself of understanding it's all just concepts and it's all just ideas. What you Mm. think about it, someone saying, well, at least I didn't cheat. You could look at them and say, well, at least not everyone that cheats and gets caught is necessarily the toxic person in the relationship. Because remember, passive aggressive. If I had one of those, I would would push that. That's a good one. That's very true. Passive aggressive is called passive aggressive for a reason. Mm. But I think that's the thing. I think, and again, going back to your and I'm saying it in this context, your cisgendered heterosexual male way of looking at it, you've been conditioned to put everything on a scale and everything on a binary of you got to weight things and they got to mean something and you got to compare them to other things. But don't we do that in relationships though? Come on, to be fair. 100%, but your comment about hunter-gatherer, hunter-gatherer, the way that we're traditionally taught it is all bullshit anyways. And I'll tell you why. Mm. Non-binary people and people that don't fall within the traditional gender spectrum in in one way or another have been around since the beginning of time. They've proven it through science. Mm -hmm. Hunter-gatherer, at the end of the day, you can't hunt without... Like, it takes a village to do these things. And everybody plays their roles one way or another. But I do think in relationships, and to bring it back to your initial question about queer people, it's a different experience in the flavor, we'll call it, Mm-hmm. But the outline typically is the same. We just have different ways of evaluating things. And I don't necessarily think it's a queer straight thing. I think it's a what you founded your relationship on kind of thing. Mm. If you founded your relationship on monogamy, then what you just said about, well, at least I didn't cheat, that is going to mean something. My husband and I are very open in Mm -hmm. our our perspectives and one of the things that i always tell people when they're like i just don't get it i'm like let me tell you okay if this man turned to me and said i want to go out and do xyz because that excites me you're telling me this man can cook my meals fold my laundry make sure i don't forget my keys he'll make sure that i you know get rest i travel i do all these things he helped put me through school 
he wants to go out and have fun with someone and you think I care. <laughs> go live your life. Because guess what? The, the misconception about having multiple partners, you always bring it back to the one that you love. Mm. Oh, and shit. any experience that makes you feel content and makes you feel like a whole person, you're going to bring it back to the one you love. And that goes back to you need to be side A in your life. And if side A in your life means that you need multiple partners, it isn't always because someone does it better. It could just be you're fucking curious and you just enjoy new experiences. God damn it. But that you is... got to find a side B that's willing to let you play those songs because it is not the same thing when you do it with someone who doesn't know what they're signing up for. That is also very true. That is that is very true. But I so here's my other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always I would say 80 percent of my relationships have been me cheating and mm-hmm. it starts off hot and heavy. It starts off great. It starts off where. I really like this person and we're going to go do something. We're going to build something. And I, you know, I get into all these feelings and then I just end up cheating. Mm -hmm. I just, I just end up doing it. Uh, But I think that one of the things that I struggled with was with a long time was figuring out, okay, like a, why am I doing it? And sometimes it is just because you just need some side. You just, you just, you know, the main dish is never that great without, without the sides. Um, Other reasons is because, I just didn't know how to communicate the problems that I was having. I didn't know how to tell this person, you're fucking bringing me on the edge of literally breaking up. And then when I do break up with them, uh, there is usually signs where I'm about to get caught. And I'm like, oh, shit. I feel like I'm like Leonardo DiCaprio and catch me if you can. <laughs> like, the, the gig is almost up and Frank Abagnale is, is out. I'm about to. But you know on. what? It's so what I think is that, OK, from all of my experiences of cheating if i just tell my well tell myself if i can you know think about a way logically of why i'm doing it it seems very natural it just seems that if you're having these problems and if you're having constantly you know you've heard the whole theme of uh the method of madness or the meaning of madness is trying the same thing and expecting different results definition of insanity definition of insanity thank you um, you know, the different thing with me and, and Natalie, for example, uh, is the fact that she isn't so controlling. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know if it's a wisdom thing. I don't know what it is. It's a personality thing. Who knows what it is? Confidence. Confidence, I think. And it's funny. She was the first partner that I had that I've asked, you know, do you think I'll ever cheat on you? And she looked at me. She says, oh, yeah. She said, you, you definitely would cheat on me. You know, if I left you alone for two weeks, she's like, you're a horn dog. If I left you alone for two weeks and you're in L.A. or something and some big booty stripper comes down, shout out Texas and shout out Miami. <laughs> she's like, I definitely think some things will happen. And that made me, I got angry for a second, but then I kind of rationalized it as like, she can see through like the shit that I bring or the shit that I have. And she's actually like, not that she will condone cheating, but the mere fact that she knows what would make me happy is that I need a lot of sex. I need that high energy. I need that drive. I need that passion. And she's like, you know what? If I have to come out there for a week just to knock on the hotel door and see you and give you peace, she's like, yeah, I do it because I know that that's the shit that you need. So it's funny because there's always like this give and pull thing. But I think it's also comes down to, I mean, the person, the side B who's going to say, yeah, I will give you what you need in order for you to be happy. But 
as a side A, you also have to take that without the the like, okay, like I'm giving you this so I get this. It's not really trades. It's just like an understanding of this is what I want, this is what I need, and this is what I'm willing to give you in order for us to be happy and stable. And and also, are you remembering to check in on what she needs for her side A? The double tonguing. The... <laughs> <laughs> fair fair we all need a little double tongue from time to time she just got sugared actually so i'm gonna have to double tongue <laughs> shout out sugaring shout out sugaring it is actually quite much better than waxing um anyways um i think but something you said there that i think is interesting is is you keep wanting to position this side a hmm. in happiness but if you ask me there's a lack of contentment if you're running around for all these experiences and you need them to sustain. Now, I don't think it's unnatural. I think we're all going through it and I think a lot of people don't want to admit it. Mm -hmm. What I will say as someone who is open to the idea of not being monogamous is there's nothing more attractive than someone who confidently does not give a fuck what you do. True. And I think for you, especially talking about your past relationships, I think something to be said there is, yeah, it must be really hard now to have a partner that is complete with or without you. And if you want to talk about the word inconsequential, then technically you know you're inconsequential, mm -hmm. which also could lead to other things. Like, for example, you're not their sole form of happiness and you're not their sole form of support. So because those are two things that your father impressed on you that you need to be, you're now not getting a reminder that you might not be meeting up to daddy's standards because they don't even need you for that. Mm. So you're not even being evaluated for that. Yeah. You're being evaluated for your ability to be an adventurer. That is a great thing. But at the end of the day, would those things have been there as strongly if we didn't have these gender norms in the first place? Because then maybe it would have been okay for you to be a wanderer who tries different things and loves new experiences. You cannot replace new. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can have deeper, you can have better, you can have stronger, you can have anything. You can't replace the feeling of new. And especially if you're not going to do the work to make it new. Mm. And I think that that is what bridges the gap between wanting to cheat or wanting multiple partners and how you make it that you are able to be monogamous. But finding out if you actually inherently want to be monogamous is a really important thing. I do also think there's a lot of cheaters who would get into a polyamorous relationship and realize they actually don't like multiple partners. Mm. It was the guilt and the self-hate and the excitement and the race of, are you going to get caught? Are you this? Are you that? When in actuality, it's you escaping the fact that you don't have your own inherent happiness and you can't hold on to happiness because happiness is fleeting. It's mm. moments in time. Contentment Ooh. and commitment. Commitment will out surpass any ambition you have. Mm. And I think that that is something that when you're evaluating yourself, you got to measure how much inherent contentment you have and are you chasing happiness? If you find that the formula into enticing yourself with new adventures, but still investing in your future and the foundation that allows you to have those, that's when you end up with the perfect mixtape mm. because it's, all the different songs of all your different personalities, of all the different emotions and the words you're trying. But it's always something new. You just need to flip the tape. Woo-wee! Right? Top five mixtapes. <laughs> Top five mixtapes. Oh, God. What would be it? No. What would be on your mixtape if you made it now? 
Oh, if I made my mixtape right now or at Give this me three moment, songs. That three you songs? Put All right. To tell me, let's say I didn't know you. Yeah. And I'm like, give me a mixtape. I want to know who you are. Just name three songs that are going to be on that. Dave Location. Okay. Snow Informer. Shout out the Dun Dada from <laughs> Toronto. 100%. I rock with Snow Heavy. And I would do John Coltrane, Love Supreme Resolution. Those are my Ooh. three tracks that I'm going to pirate and I'm going to go right up on Eglinton and Oakwood. CDs in hand, <laughs> selling those hot CDs, just getting the latest pirated oh, albums out there. Oh, God. Do you remember the CDs and they'd have like the collage? <laughs> oh, yeah. They'd have the collage and they'd be like, yo, you want to invest in local music? And you'd be like, you know what? Good for you. Good. You get out there and you sell those CDs. I had one of those dudes. I'll never forget this. I was working at Levi's, uh, the one across from Dundas. It was across the street from Eden Center. And uh, these two youths would be out there daily whipping these CDs. They were like five bucks. And I just felt generous. I was like, I don't know, I was maybe like 18 at the time. I got my like one of my few paychecks from like working one of those shitty retail jobs. If you can work one of those retail jobs, shout out to you because that that shit is tough. So if That's you're out hard. there grinding it out, I salute you. But um, I gave this guy 10 bucks and he couldn't believe it. And I was so happy. He had one fucking song on that thing. And it was a collage of like him with his shitty do-rag on with like the oversized West, uh, the East, the West All-Stars jersey, the oversized baggy pants, the fake Jordans. And it was hot trash. But it was the most memorable CD that I've had because of no that idea. one track. Yeah. You have no idea what that $10 did for that man. And shout out to that man if you're out there. I hope you moved on. And watch, you're going to look back and it's like some great artist or I something. I fucking hope you're a nobody. <laughs> <laughs> you're, <laughs> your top three songs. You're going to put it on a mixtape. Okay, if I'm going to put it on a mixtape, I'm going to go with... I think... Oh, this is tough. It's like, what era do you go with? I think realistically, I would probably do... Moment for Life, Nicki Minaj. Okay. That represents okay. like one period in my life, I'd say. I would do... I'd do Creep by TLC. Ooh. Okay. Shout out the trumpet player. Yeah, yeah, That guy yeah. who actually... I don't think he played the trumpet. He's actually like a model. <laughs> I learned that afterwards. I was like, oh, shit. That got me into wanting to play trumpet, actually. When I saw... What was it? T-Boz or Left Eye? Grinding up so on him, I was like, oh, I got to get a trumpet. You're like, I got to I gotta make that happen. Don't quite have those abs yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would do, oh, this is a tough one. I'd probably throw on a song from Spice Girls. Just to oh, mix yeah, it. Oh, yeah, the 90s. Right? Yeah. I would do, that's what yeah. I would do. I would do TLC, I would do Spice Girls, and then I would do Nicki Minaj. For now, I could make like so many. That's the thing, right? How do you narrow down to a mixtape? Like that is just one vibe of me. I could go completely left and do like I don't know, like Sarah McLaughlin and Taylor Swift and they... Jewel. Jewel would Jewel. Jewel would make it on one of my mixtapes. I will be honest. Fairly underrated. Very Shout very underrated. Shout out Jewel. Favorite Spice Girls song. If you had to pick one Spice Girls track that I would run right now in my, I'm in the rum shop. I got yeah. a jukebox. I have all everybody's drinking. They're having a good time and they're like, run the jukebox. And I've only got one track from the Spice Girls and everybody's saying, play the Spice Girls. What's the track going to be? Who do you think you are? 
easy. Is that the one that goes, I'm giving you everything? <laughs> uh, that's, if it's not that one, then you're fired. No. It's not that one? No. No. Um, no. It's who do you think you are? And you're you're going to listen to it. And you're going to be like, okay, actually, what you should oh, see, then you could do live in Istanbul. That's a really good video to watch with them. Anyways, look up who do you think you are. Listen to that song. Everyone listening knows what I'm talking about. There's like Spice Girls. All their songs were fantastic. Let's be honest. You could put them all on repeat. This is but true. It, but Who Do You Think You Are has a certain kind of... It's got to that it. kick. It's got Favorite Spice Girl, if you had to pick one, who's going to be your, your road dog for six months. If my sister ever hears this, because all we ever used to do was fight about it. I got to be on the road with them for six months. Six months. It's got to be scary. I would be ginger, but scary. I'm between ginger and scary. Baby Spice is, is one of them, right? Baby Spice? Baby Spice is one of them. Ooh-wee, it's got to be Baby Spice. you got to <laughs> pick Baby Spice. Come on. Scary? Scary seems like she'll be annoying uh, after like two weeks in. Nah, I could handle Scary. I don't know. Ginger ginger and Scary, I could do. Baby, she's nice. I would have no problem if, if I was stuck on a bus with Baby. I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> I'd be like, I got you, booze. But not six months? But six months? Like, I mean, I, I think Scary and I could kick it. But also, I feel like in fairness to Baby Spice, when no one comes for me who's listening to this <laughs> i've seen more of scary spice's career she's hosted things mm, she's okay. been more of a public figure for what the type of media that i consume Fair. so in that sense i i know more of her personality so i feel like i trust her more mm. whereas with ginger i just adore her i and she's also been quite public baby i haven't followed as much throughout the years so That's i don't what I like she's like she seems like the girl next door who just got swept up in all the oh man Oh, See, adventure. Spice. You're always after the mystery, always <laughs> after the adventure. Of course. All right. So now, so we went through the, the mixtape. So now in my jukebox, mm -hmm. so this might be a bit different. If it's the same, you can choose the same three. No, no. Five tracks that you're going to put in the rum shop jukebox. Oh, oh you know what? I'm going to make that a segment now. After every podcast, I'm going to ask somebody five tracks to put on the jukebox. What are your five tracks? Five track. What do you want the vibe to be? Oh. All right. So now here. All right. So that's a great question. So... I'll give you. I'll, I'll set it up okay. for you, and then set you give up. me. You give me the songs. So it's gonna be. So five thirty internet at it. Like the sun's just starting to come down, so the sky's orange. Um, people might just be getting off work, and they're coming in. They're gonna settle down, but when they settle down, they want a hard drink. So they're not settling down with like beer, or they want like rum and coke, or they want whiskey and ginger ale, or they want a Moscow Mule, or they want. They want something intense. They want to kick the night off. But it's Thursday, so they have to go to work tomorrow on, on a Friday. Okay. So although they want to start getting lit right away, they need to be somewhat reserved for Friday. And it's the sun setting. There's a cool breeze. It's getting a little bit dark. It's just you. You're, you're managing the rum shop tonight. You're, okay. you're the bartender. And they come up to you and they say, hey, play the tunes upon the jukebox. Let's go. Five. Okay, well, I'd like to say in your scenario, I I very few times have found myself in a rum shop in Trinidad. So I'm gonna do, I'm gonna try to figure this out what the vibe would be. So the sun's kind of setting. You gotta be. So they just want to hear some good tunes. They yeah, just hear some good tunes. Yeah. They want to hear good tunes, but they want like one or two bangers. That's gonna make them go like you know pause for a second, get up, wine quickly. And then sit back down and continue hitting hard. So they're only going to stay for around an hour and a half, two hours max. So you gotta, you gotta be impact. You gotta have those tunes ready. Okay, I think realistically, if we're gonna warm them up, 
and we're going to get them to like where we need them to be. Mm-hmm. I would say, oh God. Okay, I know. I'm just going to say them out of order. I know one song would be Lucy. Okay. Okay. One song would be Lucy. And I, and I say that because I used to do that in my show all the time. And I used mm. to, when I used to work with Michelle Ross at Cruise, I was a drag queen and I would do my show and I would do Lucy and the owner of the bar was from Trinidad and was obsessed with that song. So I used to do it. Yes. So I, I, I would do Lucy. Definitely. I would do another one of my favorites. If, if, if the dancing started, I do love, Everyone falls in love sometimes. Hey, okay. okay. I'm not even. I don't even know the proper names. I'm just telling yeah, you the songs because yeah. you know them. Ah, oh, but how do we warm them up? Like, all right. So you hit up two bangers already. So you got people. They're they're pretty. They're pretty ready now. Okay. I feel like I know. Those those are bangers. Those were like my closers. Those like, are really. You you came out really I'm hard like, right now. You came out really hard. People are gonna want to. That's all. That's like a three shotter right there. I know. So I made some good money already. So I'm quite happy at the rum shop so far. I know. They're dancing. They're loving it. What else yeah. am I dancing to? Like, what am I putting on? I feel like I'll diverge. I feel like I'll, I'll diverge. I'm going to leave the genre. I think I'm going to go over here and I'm going to say I would put on probably like an oldie that gets everyone kind of excited. Like getting them warmed up, I would probably put on Naughty Girl by Beyonce. To start to get them in the vibe. It's like okay. slow. It's starting to pick up. I feel like that's like, you know. Yeah. And then. She got two more. Oh, this is a, this is so much more difficult than I thought it would be. Two more songs to get everyone. It's a bar, sun setting. I feel like it's like just my vibe. Like, what would I do? I feel like I would throw on. Night is Still Young by Nicki Minaj. That would be one of mm-hmm. my beginning songs to get them started. All right. And then the last one. And then the last one, I think I would... Ooh. I would put on... I'd probably just throw in a Sean Paul song. Any of them. And I'll tell you why. You literally just hit the nail. Natalie said the exact same thing. She always leans to Sean Paul. You got, you got to throw one in there. And I'll tell you why. It doesn't matter who your audience is. That's true. It does not matter that though all of his songs like it does. Yeah, not, he's he's got shout out Sean Paul. We've even shout out to out. Sean Paul. Universal. Somebody's gonna know it. No one's feeling left out. Like that's true. That that's is true. Hands down. That is though. That would be hundred percent. I stand by that answer because I think it's universal and I think someone's getting up out of their seat one way or another. The order I'd play those songs, I'd really have to sit and like, you know, but those, those, those are, are bang. Some, you can yeah. play any order. That's that's going to make the rum shop some 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 money and some loyal customers. Now, what's your drink special? My drink special is simple. My drink special is Captain Morgan Spice Rum. <laughs> oh, that, that's I, right. That's I, right. I know. Listen, <laughs> I, I love El Dorado. I love Kraken, but I'm Captain Morgan Spice Rum and Coke, hands down. I'm okay. sipping spice. <laughs> I, I'm uh, hands down. Sipping spice, feeling nice. Yeah, it's my drink. Everybody's getting a discount. Woo! <laughs> what about what about you? I'm, I'm throwing out El Dorado. Man. El Dorado. El Dorado's the drink. Um, in Trinidad, they drink Stag for beer. Mm-hmm. Um. Not cracking as much, even though that the Trinidadian. I think like the Trinidadian rum, I would well cracking up, but I would say like they like Hennessy. Well, I would hard pass that. That Depends Hennessy. On, yeah, I liked yeah. it for a little while, but that that shit is just rough. Uh, Johnny Walker. Oh uh, yeah, John, is, is yeah. a big one. 
So I would, I would, I would kill with that. Um, Trini weddings, <laughs> Trini weddings, Johnny walk, like it's over. Like you better buy, you better buy out the house because you needed it all. And that's a wrap. That's it, folks. Shout out to myself for remembering to put an outro this time. <laughs> and also a big shout out to Rob. I really want to thank him for coming in. What a great episode. What a great guy. Uh, he's dropped so many gems over these last two episodes. I really want to thank him for coming in. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to him as much as I have, because I think there are a lot of things that we all can learn from what he's spoken about. Um, so that does it for this episode. Uh, now me, Junior, Joanne, we have the responsibility of cleaning up the, the rum shop after hours. Um, so, you know, I'll give you a little bit of a, of a glimpse of what that would look like. All right. Me. All right. That's it, Mom. Dad. Thanks, guys. Joanne. Hmm. Boy, I have no idea how some of these people can live because these tables is disgusting. I can only imagine how they house look. I will never step foot in that place. Oh, God. I don't know, boy. Hmm. But there's one person at that table. The next time I see that person, I will tell that person what a pig they are, boy, because it is downright disgusting. You can't do that. It's, it's a rum shop. Hmm. I don't know. We might have, that person might have to be banned. They might have to, but they may need to learn some manners before they come back in here. All right, Joanne. Thank you. <laughs> Junior, uh, everything good? Boy, how these people can drink so much. I never see that. They're guzzling, 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 drinking shot after shot. Bam, bam, bam. Woo good. Boy, get. This rum shop will make a real money. We have a real good thing with this rum shop, boy. Oh, good. If you see these people drink, I hope they get home safe. Otherwise, hmm, boy. Oh, God. It's a good thing we, we order. Um, what's that thing called? Booba? Uber. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uber. It's a good thing we call Uber for those people, boy. Wee. My goodness. <laughs> um, so that wraps it up. We're closed for the rum shop. Keep it locked for the next episode. And again, peace and love. Thank you to everybody for your support. And yeah, signing out with a little saxophone outro. <laughs>